You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. It's Spain and Fitz with Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Happy Hump Day. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests are going to join us on the Goodyear Hotline. We have lots to get to today. MLB talks running shorter than a Brian Kelly goodbye meeting. Some NBA teams punished for getting a little bit ahead of the game. Fitz is finally going to pick a baseball team just in time for baseball to go away. But first, it has been V-Week since the beginning of the week, and it continues today. And today, ESPN Radio had the honor of following up on yesterday's Giving Tuesday by uh, coinciding with what's going on across the ESPN platforms today. We're so grateful for the support you've already showed uh, for the V Foundation and your collective focus on cancer research through the V Foundation donations. And we are keeping that spirit alive across our ESPN platforms right now and keeping the spirit alive of Jimmy V as well with his, his, uh, a little bit of his iconic speech from the 1993 ESPY Awards that you'll hear here now. When people say to me, how do you get through uh, life or, or each day? It's the same thing. To me, there are three things we all should do every day. We do this every day of our life. You're going to have, what a wonderful, number one is laugh. You should laugh every day. Number two is think. You should spend some time in thought. And number three is you should have your emotions moved to tears. Could be happiness or joy. But think about it. If you laugh, you think, and you cry, that's a full day. That's a heck of a day. You do that seven days a week, you're going to have something special. And so... I can't help. I rode on the plane up today with Mike Krzyzewski, my, my good friend and a wonderful coach, but people don't realize he's a 10 times better person than he is a coach, and we know he's a great coach. He's meant a lot to me in these last five or six months of my battle. But when I look at Mike, I think we competed against each other as players. I coached against him for 15 years, and I always have to think about what's important in life is to, to think to me of three things, where you started, where you are, and where you're going to be. Those are the three things that I try and do every day. You know, when I think about getting up and giving a speech, I can't help it. I have to remember the first speech I ever gave. I was coaching at Rutgers University. That was my first job. All I, oh, that's a, wonderful. And I was the freshman coach. That's when freshmen played on freshman teams. And I was so fired up about my first job. That's a special place, the locker room, for a coach to give a talk. So my idol as a coach was Vince Lombardi. And I read this book called Commitment to Excellence by Vince Lombardi. And in the book, Lombardi talked about the first time he spoke before his Green Bay Packer team in the locker room. There were perennial losers. And I'm reading this, and Lombardi said he was thinking, should it be a long talk, a short talk? But he wanted to be emotional. He said, be brief. And this is what he did. He, he, normally, you get in the locker room, I don't know, 25 minutes, a half hour before the team takes the field. You do your little X and O's, and then you give the great Newt Rockney talk. We all do. Speech number 84. You pull them right out. You get, you get ready. Get your squad ready. Well, this is the first one I ever gave. And I read this thing, Lombardi. What he said was he didn't go in. He waited. His team was wondering, where is he? Where is this great coach? He's not there. Ten minutes. He's still not there. Three minutes before they have to take the field, Lombardi comes in, bangs the door open. And I think you all remember what great presence he had. Right? Great presence. And he walked in, and he just walked back and forth, staring at the players. And he said, all eyes on me. I'm reading this in his book, and I'm getting a picture of this Lombardi before the, his first game. And he said, gentlemen, we will be successful this year. You can focus on three things and three things only. Your family, your religion, and the Green Bay Packers. And, he, uh, and the rest of it, they knocked the walls down. The rest was history. I said, that's beautiful. I'm going to do that. Your family, 
your religion, and Rutgers basketball. That's it. I had it. I'm, listen, I'm 21 years old. The kids I'm coaching are 19, all right? And, I, and I'm going to be the greatest coach in the world, the next Lombardi. And I'm, ready, and I'm practicing out in the right beside the locker room. The manager's telling me, you got to go in. Not yet, not yet. Family, religion, Rutgers basketball. All eyes on me. I got it, I got it. And now finally he said, three minutes. I said, fine. True story. I go to knock the doors open, just like Lombardi. Boom! It didn't open. <laughs> I almost broke my arm. I was like, you know, it was one that didn't open. Now I'm down. The players are looking. You know, coach, get, you know, help the coach up. Help him up. You know? And now I did like Lombardi. I walked back and forth. Right? And I was going like that with my arm, get the feeling back in it. And finally I said, gentlemen, all eyes on me. And these kids wanted to play. They're 19. Let's go. I said, gentlemen, we'll be successful this year if you can focus on three things and three things only. They said, yeah. Then your family, your religion, and the Green Bay Packers, I told you. <laughs> I did that. I remember that. I remember, I remember where I came from. It's so important to know where you are. And I know where I am right now. How do you go from where you are to where you want to be? And I think it, it, you have to have an enthusiasm for life. You have to have a dream, a goal. You have to be willing to work for it. I talked about my family. My family is so important. People think I have courage. The courage of my family is my wife, Pam, my three daughters here, Nicole, Jamie, Leanne, my mom, who is right here, too. And, and, And that screen is flashing up there 30 seconds like I care about that screen right now, huh? <laughs> I, got, I, got, I got tumors all over my body. I'm worried about some guy in the back going 30 seconds, huh? You got a lot. Hey, phenomenal, buddy. Yeah, you got a lot. I just got one last thing. I urge all of you all of you, to enjoy your life, the precious moments you have, to spend each day with some laughter and some thought, to get your emotions going, to be enthusiastic every day. And Ralph Waldo Emerson said, nothing great can be accomplished without enthusiasm, to keep your dreams alive in spite of problems, whatever you have, to be able to work hard for your dreams to, become, to come true, become a reality. Now I... I look at where I, I am now, and I know what I want to do. What I would like to be able to do is to spend whatever time I have left and to give and maybe some hope to others. Right? Arthur Ashe Foundation is a wonderful thing. And, and AIDS, the, the, the amount of money pouring in for AIDS is not enough, but it is significant. But if I told you it's 10 times the amount that comes in for cancer research, I also tell you that 500,000 people will die this year of cancer. And I also tell you that one in every four will be afflicted with this disease. And yet, to somehow, we seem to have put it in a little bit of the background. I want to bring it back on the front table. We need your help. I need your help. We need money for research. It may not save my life. It may save my children's lives. It may save someone you love. And it's very important. And ESPN has been so kind to support me in this endeavor and allow me to announce tonight that with ESPN's support, which means what? Their, 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 their money and their dollars and they're helping me. We are starting the Jim, Jimmy V Foundation for Cancer Research. And it's, 
and its motto is, don't give up, don't ever give up. And that's what I'm going to try to do. Every minute that I have left, I will thank God for the day and the moment I have. And if you see me, smile and maybe give me a hug, because that's important to me too. But try, if you can, to support, whether it's AIDS or the Cancer Foundation, so that, that someone else might survive, might prosper, and might actually be cured of this dreaded disease. I can't thank ESPN enough for allowing this to happen, and I'm going to work as hard as I can you know, for cancer research, and hopefully we'll be, maybe we'll have some cures and some breakthroughs, and I'd like to think I'm going to fight my brains out to be back here again next year for the Arthur Ashe recipient. I want to give it next year. I know I've got to go. I've, I've got to go, and I've got one last thing. I've said it before, and I'm going to say it again. Cancer can take away all my physical abilities. It cannot touch my mind. It cannot touch my heart, and it cannot touch my soul. And those three things are going to carry on forever. I thank you, and God bless you all. It's good every time you hear it. And it means the same thing every time, and you have to listen to it and take it to, to heart and, and heed it. Jimmy V, that big speech, just a chunk of it there if you can, go find the whole thing. And if you have the means and you're interested in helping out, it doesn't end with Giving Tuesday. It's all week, V Week. You can go to v.org slash donate. 100% of what you give goes to cancer research. Uh, Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Today, Fitz is going to pick his favorite baseball team, finally. So we need y'all to chime in. Brewers, Reds, and Yankees are the final three. At Spain and Fitz, at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz. Hit us up on Spain and Fitz Nation. Tell us why he should choose one of those teams, Brewers, Yankees, or Reds. Uh, Speaking of Cubs, the Cubs just, I said baseball, Cubs. Speaking of baseball, the Cubs just did something. We're going to talk about it. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz Podcast. Wow, that sure turned my frown upside down. The Cubs did something, and they did something good, and they spent money. I thought they had suffered such biblical losses that they were incapable of spending money on anything. But no, not only did they go out and get a player that I have liked from afar for a while, who has a ton of talent and makes the Cubs rotation significantly better, but... They stole him from the Mets, and I don't like the Mets, and the Mets are trash, and the Mets stole Javi, and they made everything worse, and then they were mean to him, and that, was, that made me angry, and I want Mets fans to be sad, so, I mean, ha. You didn't, uh, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. You wasted no time getting to the Straight Talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. I, I mean, didn't. Uh, are you, uh, your level of excitement on this on a scale of 1 to 10, because you're right, like, I, I didn't know what to expect going into the day. And then not only uh, can, can we say this is done, it seems like when you look at Strowman's Twitter wall, like, he's excited for this, you know? It seems like this is a, a, a fit that he's equally pumped for. So was this the piece that you felt like the Cubs needed? Well, we need a lot of pieces. Uh, if you recall, we gave away pretty much all of them. Last year. Um, uh, this is huge fit. So we already saw Scherzer go. We saw Gosman. We saw Robbie Ray off the board. So basically, you could you could argue that Stroman is the top arm on the free agent market that was available. And not only is it kind of 
been rare other than in recent years when when Theo Epstein was in charge and the Cubs were making their run we did see them go after you know the biggest names and make some big signings John Lester being the most notable of the ones that that they made that really changed their fortunes um but the sell-off that occurred this past season and the the question marks around whether they would be willing to spend and what kind of rebuild dead zone the Cubs might be for a number of years has been looming over this fan base since we saw Rizzo and Javi and and Bryant and everybody else go. And and it left us with a lot of questions about the remaining solid players on this roster. Were they sort of lame ducks left to 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 mentor youngsters? The people in the Cubs system are not gonna be ready this season to be called up and actually really contribute that their their talent in the in the farm system is a couple years off. So I wasn't sure if they would just hope that fans would come out to Wrigley and drink their beers and and not care what the product was, but signing Stroman 30 years old, uh, you know, he doesn't have the crazy stuff that some of the other guys I mentioned have, but he's been a middle rotation or better starter for basically his whole career. And he's a guy that's going to drastically change, I think, expectations for what this team does. Maybe unfairly so. Maybe they just want to go out and get one or two guys to appease a rabid fan base. But heck of a start, especially if we're, you know, heading hours into a deadline that's going to shut things down for a while. This gives us something to be happy about, at least, uh, during the duration of this lockout. Yeah, so let's get to some more straight talk. Straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. And it comes in that, like, the positive is you get a great piece for the Cubs. The negative is we have no idea when they'll actually play because we got one step closer to what now looks like an imminent lockout after negotiations ended abruptly this seems to be a theme over the last uh, couple of days is it only took a few minutes according to jeff pass and other reports uh, for everybody to sit down and then say nope this is not going to work uh, this was an ignom oh, see i wanted i want to show off sir <laughs> i did i thought i could say ignominious end to Ooh, three days yeah, you did. i've Still been working on try. it all day like Passon wrote it in the article, and every time I read it, I become a third-grade child that has to go ignominious on, on air. I wanted to show off for you, but then it didn't work out for us, uh, but, but, or for me at least. Uh, but uh, this is yeah, sort don't of— don't implicate me in your ignominious problems. Yeah, that is, that is fair. I'm still going to have to use context to figure out what it actually <laughs> means. But uh, the, the biggest thing here to me that I keep looking at with all of the lockout conversation is, does it today, does it really matter? Because— you know, uh, I, I, I understand that lockouts are so important to fans, but right now it's not like everybody's paying attention. Like if this is still going on in, in February, maybe there's a, a reason for concern. But if they can't come to an agreement today, right now, when they're months away from actual consequence to that, I guess I just don't see why it's such a huge deal. Well, it's always a huge deal when there's a when there's a labor shortage, a, a, a labor stoppage. It's always a big deal when there's a lockout for a number of reasons, and a lot of them are things that we won't necessarily hear about how they trickle down um, to. And you know, there's there's a lockout that lasts a short amount of time. There's a lockout that drags into camp, spring training, etc. And that's of course where where things get much more serious. If this is simply uh, the kind of back and forth game of chicken that we saw during the COVID season. If you recall, um, it felt like both sides didn't have a, a more so the, the owners. The owners were were trying to play a game. Uh, again, I'll go back to Tom Ricketts claiming biblical losses, um, and the the deal that they wanted with the cup with the players clearly wasn't going to work out. So their intention then was to drag it out so long that they wouldn't be able to compromise. That then they could could get the things that they wanted and then have it have a a, a, 
I'm forgetting the word, but basically the complaint could come after the fact and they'd play through the issues that they hadn't agreed on. And, you know, this is a, a con continuation of the same issues that they had before. The players want, you know, no artificial restraints on free agency. They want players to get paid more at an earlier age. They don't want players to be kept in the minors so that they can control their, their, their service time, all of that stuff that we've heard about over the years. And then tanking fits. I mean, it's really difficult for you as a player in a finite amount of time uh, where you're able to play at your highest level to be on a team that's destined to lose from day one. We don't see yeah. that in some other sports, and it doesn't matter for a lot of those owners because with profit sharing, they can start the season saying, we're going to suck. They can suck, and they can still make so much money, but then those players are stranded playing in front of empty ballparks and for people who don't care. And so there's a lot that actually needs to get handled here. The The, the COVID stuff was a game of chicken that you kind of didn't think they would get to resolve. In this case, they do need to find a, a, a meaningful middle ground. And unfortunately, with $1.7 billion plus dollars spent in November, the players can't really claim poor right now, and the owners certainly can't either. So they're both coming in with a little bit of like, well, we showed our hand a bit. Well, and Jeff Passon, the ESPN Major League Baseball insider, talked about the time that's there and, and the amount of time they have to get this done when he said this on SportsCenter. It's not like we have games coming up. It's not like spring training is imminent at this point. For 60 to 90 days, that's the runway that the Players Association and the league have to negotiate a new collective bargaining agreement before the threat of games being lost during the regular season happens. And people are excited about the fact that zero games have been lost to a lockout before in Major League Baseball. They're just hopeful that that trend continues. Mm -hmm. It's, again, I think... For me, I feel like I can be patient right now, but I do understand everybody's concern about what it means. And uh, to your point, Sarah, a lot of money was spent today because nobody seems to know what's coming next. So yeah, uh, that, some people that's... don't want to wait that out and not know where they're going to live and who they're going to play for. And I get that. I want to make sure that I'm going to be able to watch baseball while I'm getting hammered at spring training. That's a little bit of a part of it. Just yeah, a little well, bit. I don't blame you. I, I'm, I'm tagging along this year. I'm coming. We're oh, doing shows from. All no, right. I'm myself. I just like, hey, <laughs> you're you invited. Said alcohol and Everyone's training, invited. In. All right. Uh, coming up next, a slap on the wrist for a pair of teams. We'll tell you about it. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and hanging out with you on the ESPN app. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. And uh, there's a lot of NBA news going on. And our favorite person to help us break it all down is Bobby Marks. He joins us now on the Goodyear Hotline ESPN NBA Front Office Insider. Bobby, thanks as always for hanging out with us. Let's start with uh, the Woj report that after a four-month investigation from the NBA, uh, they've decided that their punishment for tampering uh, for the Bulls and the Heat are gonna, is going to be a second-round draft pick. Were you surprised by that decision? Yeah, I was waiting for more. <laughs> I mean, after four months, I was like, is there any cash involved? Or is it multiple picks? I didn't think it would be a first-round pick. I didn't think, you know, that, you know, they were going to undo the trade just because the season's already going on. I just thought that, you know, based on the length of the investigation, it, we were four, four months from when it started. Um, I said at the time that, hey, everyone does it as far as talking to agents, getting deals in place. I just thought that, you know, using the speeding, um, you know, analysis, hey, you know, Chicago, Miami, maybe we're doing a little bit faster than the other teams here. And I thought it was going to be multiple picks uh, in the second round. I thought it was going to be a substantial fine just because the NBA was going to set a precedent here. And 
at the end of the day, it's basically what Milwaukee got last year, and now we know what kind of what the uh, what the bar is going to be. If teams want to tamper, it's going to be a second round pick. And the funny part, guys, is that it's not even going to be their own second round pick. The likelihood it's going to be, um, you know, I think uh, for Chicago, it's probably going to be a Nuggets pick in 2023. I think for um, for Miami, it's um, it's either Philadelphia or potentially I think Denver. Um, so it's not their own pick that they're going to lose here. And um, I just thought it was going to be a little bit, a little bit more just based on how long this investigation was going on. Yeah, it feels like it's mostly about the fact that they were quick to it. It wasn't tampering, right? They were ahead of the game, but it was people that they had had conversations with in the past. And um, that, that seems to be the excuse that they're using, Bobby. I'm cool with it because I would say that there are plenty of people here in Chicago, especially that are pretty happy with the pick. Um, and they'd rather have that than whatever future uh, second rounder they might be getting. Bobby Marks is with us here, Spain and Fitz, our ESPN NBA front office insider. Let's talk about LeBron's absence. Right now, unless there's new news that I haven't heard, we're still waiting to hear how long he might be out. But what we do know is that he's been out a whole bunch already for the start of this Lakers season, and they haven't looked great. What have you seen from the Lakers um, when he's in there and when he's out? I just think it's kind of what I thought, you know, put a name tag on these guys. You know, you've got, what, 12 new players. Um, I always said, Sarah, when you sign, you know, 11 players to the veteran minimum exception, and that's basically going bargain shopping, the goal is to hit, go 500 on that. So five players. So when you look at Malik Monk and Wayne Ellington, players like that have played well. I just thought, I thought it was going to be a big-time learning curve. Um, you know, certainly with Westbrook, uh, it's interesting. I thought they played their best half of the season last night in Sacramento where you, know, you basically outscored the Kings by, you know, 30 points without LeBron. Um, you got the bench involved here. So I just thought this was going to be a 500 team until they can figure it out. And I don't know when they're going to be able to figure it out. Is it, you know, is it come uh, Christmas time when they get Brooklyn in Los Angeles? Is it, you know, when they figure out what their identity is going to be? Because as you guys know, I mean, you watched uh, Phoenix Golden State last night. I mean, those two teams are, are on a different level. Um, than where the Lakers are going to be. And you might look, be looking at a Laker team that's fighting for a playing spot or maybe just to, you know, you know be a, a six seed. I mean, I mean, stick there, though, for a second. If that's who the Lakers are going to be, at what point does everybody start to panic? Well, I think you're going to have to start panicking pretty soon here. I mean, we're 20-plus games in, and I think that usually gives you a sense as far as who you are, uh, I do want to give them a little bit more time just because of how many new faces there are, and, and Frank Vogel still trying to figure it out. I mean, they've had you know a different starting lineup every, every night here, but when you go out and you get what Russell Westbrook in the off season, he's basically that was your you know last big move you can make when you move out three or four players. You're a win now team. You know they're not fighting to get in the sixth seed, and hopefully you can, you can win around here. I mean. I think your window is, you know, certainly closing, you know, with LeBron and, and certainly with, with AD and, and Westbrook that, you know, there's a lot of pressure on. And, you know, what you see is kind of what you get with this team because there's not many more moves that you can make to improve this roster. Bobby Marks is with us here. You know, I, I, I don't necessarily want to start a fight, but I'd be okay if one happened. Do you want to <laughs> take on Stephen A. Smith's claim that the Suns championship window is closed? Close. I think it's just opened. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so do we. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something. Yeah, close. Yeah. No yeah. way. I mean, I, I don't think it's closed one bit. I mean, when you look, 
I mean, to what they did last night in the second half without Devin Booker, I mean, Mikhail Bridges, who's basically, you know, under the radar, is base, is going to make uh, a run for defensive player of the year with, with Draymond Green. And is, he's a young player. DeAndre Ayton, you know, I certainly Chris has got, you know, is, you know, some length to, you know, in years. We know that already. But you've got your core nucleus in, in under contract for the next, you know, three or four years. I think Ayton gets done. Their bench is really good, and those guys are under contract for the next three or four years. You've got most of your draft picks to go out and, and make a trade. I think, I think you know, hey, injuries will come, you know, somewhere down the road. So just look at Denver. But, I mean, this, I mean, there's a three- to four-year window for this group to be in the, in the top two, top three at, at the Western Conference. We're talking to Bobby Marks, ESPN NBA insider on Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. So, Bobby, I'm going to ask you to put your GM hat on like I always feel like I do. And, you know, when it comes to the Knicks, all this conversation around Kemba, I mean, if you're another GM and you know that this isn't working, how does it impact the trade value? What's the going rate for Kemba in your mind at this point? Well, well, Jason, I like Kemba Walker a lot uh, more on $9 million contract instead of a $36 million contract. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I will say that compared to what he was making in Boston last year and you know, certainly in Oklahoma City. And I think for 8 or $9 million for a guy, if he's willing to accept the role to come off your bench and play 20 to 25 minutes, um, I would be intrigued as far as because I think there is a little bit of a lack of depth for quality backup point guards in this league. And I know where he was two years ago, and it's a mighty fall based on you know health and with, with his injuries here. But um, I'm not giving up the farm, certainly. But I would be, you know, hey, if there's a second, couple second-round picks and if I have a trade exception and maybe there's a player that, that's on an expiring contract out of the rotation, I would be intrigued by Kemba just because I think I could trust him as far as coming off the bench, am I going to start him 30 and play him 30 to 35 minutes? No, but on an $8 million contract, which is below the average player salary, um, I would be fine with that. Bobby, I know it's probably not a, a topic that has any news on it, but you know, it's kind of been a while since we really nationally addressed Kyrie and the fact that he's still getting yeah. paid for a bunch of games that he's not playing in and not available for his team. Uh, is there any update on that? Is there any further consternation coming out of that team, or is everyone just resigned to the reality that he's likely out for the year? Well, so I think I'm still a little bit intrigued as far as when we get to, to January 1 and we get in place in New York City. I know he's been out front and, say, and saying that he's not going to change the vaccination uh, rules, and certainly with you know a little bit of an uptick now, um, will that change when we get in, into January and does that affect, you know, um, Kyrie? And you're right, we haven't heard anything. And I think because Brooklyn's 15-6, and six, but, hey, they haven't beat any quality teams as far as we look at, you know, certainly with Milwaukee and, and Phoenix, uh, Golden State, teams like that. And they need Kyrie to, to get out of the Eastern Conference, I believe. And what happens when we get to the trade deadline and he has not been vaccinated and he won't, you know, you're not going to see him. Do we start to see his name being mentioned more than it is right now? And right now it's pretty quiet. Can they win a championship still in your mind without him? No, I don't. Not I, I, Unless James Harden is going to revert back to Houston James Harden, um, I don't think, and I'm not convinced that he can. I think he could do it in spurts. I don't think he can put together you know, 21 games in the playoffs to do so. Bobby, as always, we appreciate your time, my friend. You're the best. Thanks for hanging out with us. Have a great holiday. Appreciate it. You too. Thank you. ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance, offering coverage options as unique 
is your business. Progressive covers companies of many sizes and specialties. Learn more at ProgressiveCommercial.com. Okay, coming up, we're hours away from a likely MLB lockout. Seems like a perfect time for me to pick a baseball team. I'm going to do it next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. This is Spain and Fitz. We got one step closer to what now looks like an imminent lockout after negotiations ended. It only took a few minutes, according to Jeff Passan and other reports, uh, for everybody to sit down and then say, nope, this is not going to work. Uh, this was an ignominious. Oh, excuse me. I thought I could say ignominious end to Ooh, three days. Now you did. I've Still been working on try. it all day. Like, Passan wrote it in the article, and every time I read it, I become a third-grade child that has to go ignominious on, on air. I wanted to show off for you, but... And it didn't work out for us, uh, but but or for me at least. Uh, but uh, this is yeah, sort don't of don't implicate me in your ignominious problems. Think about all the things you can do in life for seven minutes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's been weird. It's been a weird start to the show. I got really distracted by the news that the Cubs had signed Marcus Stroman. They spent money. They got better. They gave me something to be excited about. I just turned into Regis weirdly. Uh, then I got really thrown off by all the things you can do in seven minutes. Or twice, depending on who you're with. And then, uh, yeah, there's there's a lot going on today. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. We are hours away from what's expected to be a lockout from MLB, a seven-minute meeting today. Uh, That, of course, uh, was the uh, reference that we were referring to earlier. Of course, it was just about meetings. Um, And and the baseball sides parted, the Players Association and the owners uh, which leaves us the perfect time for Fitz to suddenly get very invested in baseball. As you may have heard if you listen to the show regularly, he doesn't have a baseball team. And so we set out to fix that months ago, feels like years, uh, with Major League Bachelor. Let's do it. The journey for love continues. I've been alone for way too long. I'm ready to fall in love. One man, 30 eligible competitors. Sarah convinced me that it was time to make a commitment not going to lie, I have mixed emotions. Who will capture Fitz's heart and win the final rose? Hi, my name is Jason Fitz, and I'm the Major League Bachelor. This is Major League Bachelor on Spain and Fitz. That's right. We've whittled it down from all of the teams in the Major Leagues to just three. And we enlisted the help of some of our listeners to help Jason make a selection between inexplicably. One more time there. I said sex selection. (laughs) Okay, there we go. Just make it sure. I don't know which team you want to have sex with yet. You're going to tell us. Um, You have inexplicably left the selection to the Yankees, the Reds, and the Brewers. Do you need any more information about any of these teams before making your decision? Would you like to know how many titles they've won? How many pennants? Would you like to know when they were founded? Any of the names that they used to have? Well, I'd like to know your thoughts on a couple of things here, Sarah, because uh, number one, uh, you know, taking the Yankees, like I'm already getting tweets. I'm getting DMs about the the Yankees. (laughs) I like everybody's up in the Menchies. And what's interesting is that it's very polarizing. Like the the thing of it is Yankees fans are coming at me saying, hey, we get a bad rap, but we have a ton of knowledge, ton of passion, and we're always going to be there for the team. And the team is always going to spend the money it takes to be successful, which is a really good argument. But then I'd have to realize that I went through the entire bachelor process and all I did was pick the prettiest girl, which maybe feels like maybe I wasn't looking for love because the, the Yankees are the prettiest girl and they're much prettier than either the Brewers or the Reds. Mm-hmm. Like that's a much different level of attraction. But, you know, like the Reds won, like the Reds 
Cats Girl is really, really fun, you know, because there's a lot about Cincinnati I really like. Uh-huh. Um, there's one area of Cincinnati that you really like. Well, I mean, I, 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 there's, there's, I like Cincinnati. <laughs> there's also, like, the Milwaukee the Milwaukee girl, like, she just likes to drink because all I ever do right. in Milwaukee is eat and drink. And there's yep. nothing wrong with that girl, but can you settle down with it? You basically like, so picked that one because of a restaurant you like nearby. I mean, and, well, in the bar scenes, the music scene uh-huh. in Milwaukee is really good, too. They have a beautiful uh, orchestra hall downtown yeah. Milwaukee. Uh-huh. Uh, Always a good uh, reason to choose a baseball team. Well, you know, like, i got to <laughs> think about what else I'm going to do when I go to the games. Like, I want to see the entire city, right? Like, I want to hang out for a weekend. Milwaukee's a place I like to hang out. Cincinnati's a place I like to hang out. New York's a, like, a place I like to... I've talked to myself in all three of these girls. Like, wow, is, look at I, that. I, I feel like... Do you have any advice for me? I do. I, I do want to lay out for you... Um, uh, uh, you know what? I've just realized, though, that I went to this w- a website to, to get some of these facts, and I think it might be a little dated. So uh, give or take a couple titles and pennants. This yeah. is roughly the history of these teams. I want you to just decide whether you want history, whether you want winning, whether you want an underdog story, because the oldest of the bunch is the Cincinnati Reds. 1881. 1881 Ooh. was originally an inaugural member of the American Association, and then in 1890 joined the National League and took their current name. But they were at one point the Cincinnati Red Stockings, and then the Reds, and then the Red Legs uh, is also a name that they took on, which is why you'll often hear uh, Tom Waddle on ESPN 1000 yell, here we go, Red Legs, Mm. Uh, which is a fun little nickname. Um, You know, they've been in their ballpark for quite some time. They've won nine pennants and five titles. I think that is all up-to-date information. So you've got a little bit of winning, not a lot. They've been around a long time. They've got a fun nickname. How how many days do I need to be a Reds fan before I can start the it's an abomination that Pete Rose isn't in the Hall of Fame? Like, um, you disgust? could do it immediately. Okay, yeah. good. So that's um, like what day are your one takes stuff. on the chili, though? Do you feel like you need to be a fan of the chili in order to root for that team? I, mm, I love you, Cincinnati, so yeah, much. Yeah, see, but that's going to be like a problem. Skyline. Immediate I like conflict for you there. All right, so the Yankees, founded in 1901, mm-hmm. you know, crowd jewel, prettiest girl in the room, like you said, 27 World Series titles. Maybe more than that by now. This website is dated. I'm reading the internet wrong. Uh, 40 American League pennants. Uh, they have the records for all the things, right? Um, and they've got a, just an unbelievable history of some of the greatest players of all time. At one point, they were the New York Highlanders. So if you're a fan of that show, maybe that's uh, of interest to you. And they started out actually as the Baltimore Orioles. So if for some reason you have an affinity for Baltimore, but you don't want to choose the Orioles, you could just choose the Yankees. Um, the Brewers. Here's where things get interesting. As you mentioned, very different kind of gal. Mm-hmm. They were founded in 1969, which is okay. nice. Nice. Uh, much more recent team, younger, fresher, uh, zero wins. Zero, which is why it's funny when they try to talk trash about the Cubs, who, yes, it took a while to get back to the winner circle, but we've been there a couple times, and zero is the number of times that the Brewers have won. Um, they were in the AL at the beginning. So my husband was actually a Brewers fan and a Cubs fan growing up because they weren't in the same league oh. and it was fine. And then now that they're together, it's a little awkward. Um, but he's a so Cubs is, fan through and through now. It, so he's given up any allegiance to the Brewers? Like we could. He's be okay if they do all right. You know, mm-hmm. he's like, ah, it's fine if they do all right. Makes people happy. Would have make would have made my grandparents happy. But his grandparents are no longer with us, and he's a Cubs man now. Uh, so, you know, also when you have people around like, you know, r- dirty, rotten cheaters who blame their own cheating on other people and they try to get other people implicated in things instead of just you know admitting that they cheated like i don't know ryan braun 
um, it makes it a little easier to separate from that team um, when they have some of the most sensitive, lame fans in all of the world. And I'm sorry, some of you are nice, but man, Brewers fans cannot take a joke or have any fun. They are so butthurt over everything. Uh, but I'm not going to editorialize. I want you to make but up your a, mind see, for yourself. And that's a big turnoff for me because, like, <laughs> look, I, for everybody knows my my Raiders fandom, right? Like, I want I want fandom that's going to be fun and easy. You know, like that's that's one thing. I'm like, sure somebody... if you're a Brewers fan, you find it fun and easy. Like I said, they show up for their squad. They have good attendance. They have good beer. They have good food at the ballpark. They have good yeah. snacks. It's very yeah. Midwestern feeling. You know, it's very yeah, down home. Uh, just don't expect them to have any fun repartee with other teams' fan bases because they can't handle it. Uh, a couple people chimed in. At A.V. Colham hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed with some news from Spain and Fitz Nation. Do not be a Yankees fan unless you want to cry all the time and have everyone hate you. Uh, at the real underscore Doyle, what sort of person randomly picks the Yankees? You should also have to root for the Cowboys and Lakers while you're at it. Yeah, uh, see, at, that's not that's not a turnoff though. Like, what, uh, you you're a bandwagoner is what you're just admitting. Yeah, but I, but if you just wake up one day and you're like, I'm gonna like sports, why not pick a good no. team? Like, Ew. why pick the Ew. underdog? I don't even know you anymore. Who are you? Ew, I, that's I've been so hurt. gross. Like the Raiders. That's have the hurt worst take you've ever had in anything, and that includes I'm, all of your food takes. I mean, you just go go where it's gonna be easy if you're just going to go all willy-nilly and not, not I really... lost so much respect for you and I had so little remaining <laughs> oh my gosh I'm I'm completely sidetracked by not even knowing who Fitz is anymore we'll get back to some of your comments and I guess he'll pick a team later we're going to talk football next you're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast you're listening Spain to the Fitz Spain and Fitz ESPN podcast radio, the ESPN app and Sirius XM channel 80 Sarah Spain Jason Fitz we're presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline, and you can be a part of Spain and Fitz Nation on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. College football's back. So are the fans. Return to glory with Fansville by Dr. Pepper. The one fans deserve. All right. I don't know, Sarah. I don't, I don't know how to feel anymore. A week ago right now, I'd resigned myself to the fact that there was no hope left for my beloved Raiders. The playoffs were just a dream that was never going to happen again in my entire lifetime and that it was time to start looking forward to the draft. And then they beat the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. And that just sort of summarizes the way this entire NFL season has gone. Every time anybody thinks that they know anything, it just all goes up in smoke and we all suddenly find out we're wrong. So let's get some expertise from one of our favorites on the Goodyear Hotline. Randy Mueller, host of the Football GM podcast on The Athletic, longtime NFL exec, joins us. Friend of the show, Randy, and I appreciate your time, man. When you see a team or, or a league, I should say, as inconsistent as this one, what's the cause of it this year? Why is everything so haywire? Well, I think it's COVID, right? I'm going to blame it all on COVID. That's the deal. (laughs) I will say this, and this really hasn't changed over the years. I always thought when running the team, and I say this kind of tongue-in-cheek, but not really, we were always three weeks from a mutiny, no matter what kind of record we had. It was just like that. You could expect the unexpected. Injuries are going to play a factor. Desperation is going to play a factor. These games are determined by really a fine line, and you just never know. Uh, from week to week what you're going to get if you could be 500 around thanksgiving you had a chance and as we know this year is no different every time we think we can trust somebody they let us down and and vice versa so i just think it's the parody of the nfl got a lot of people on park avenue probably celebrating what we're agonizing over 
Agreed. Uh, for some people, including anyone who's trying to put money down or make predictions, it's been tough. But the parody is actually fascinating, and it makes for a lot of excitement heading down the stretch here. Is there any number of teams that can emerge or falter? I think one of the teams that we know is out, at least in my opinion, it's Seattle. They aren't even in the hunt on those graphics, and almost every team is in the hunt. Is this for sure in your mind the end of an era here, and we will not be seeing Russell Wilson with them next year? Well, I think that's a distinct possibility, Sarah. I I think the, the narrative that, oh, it's just one bad year, one bad year, really doesn't float because there's been two or three years leading to this, right? I mean, they've made some some questionable decisions the last two or three years and really if you go back in their drafts you go back six or eight years the team just hasn't gotten better and and Pete has ran this team well obviously 12 years there he's been to a couple of Super Bowls so you can't take anything from him but he's also been trying to hang on and the decisions they've made over the years have just been in my opinion more band-aid than anything else they just tried to hang on hang on not rebuild patch it together and they've just failed on a lot of choices they failed uh, uh, really cap-wise. Last year they had to let people go because they were up against the cap-wise. Now there's a little daylight for these guys at the end of the tunnel next year in that they've got about $56 million available, seventh most in the league. But it, fit, it does feel like it's going to be uh, a lot of change, and who knows if the quarterback figures in or not. Obviously he hasn't played well, so he can point fingers himself, no pun intended with his bad finger, but he just hasn't played well either. So there's plenty of blame to go around. I don't know how they solve it. They're going to have to ask themselves some really hard questions at season end. And and I think it's more than just a tweaking of one thing here or there. And that's what they've done. That's that's my point. They've tried to tweak when, when I think they probably need to rebuild a little bit. So talk about that rebuilding then for a second, Randy, because – in my mind, I keep looking at the NFL draft coming up, and I, I would say that most would agree that there's not necessarily a surefire quarterback that you can look at it and say, there's our guy. It's already a gamble, and this year maybe it's a it's a lesser quarterback class. So if you're in the front office of a team and you're looking at your situation and saying, we need to rebuild, but there isn't a quarterback in the draft that is necessarily worth banking on, what do you do? Yeah, I think that's the $10 million question. You've got to have options before you replace the one you have. That's for sure. And that's really probably what kept Russell there this offseason. I think the Seahawks may have been willing to move if they had some options, but they had no options when he was giving out his list of teams he was going to be ready to move to. So I think that's somewhat in question. Maybe the kid from Pittsburgh, Kenny Pickett, is a possible. But like you said, the, these draft picks aren't surefire hits. They're organizational failures or successes. I don't know really what's available free agency-wise, but they're going to have to look at every option they can before they could afford to give up a Russell Wilson because I think at the end of the day, he's going to have a lot of say if he stays or goes. And, and we know if the quarterback is calling the shots that you know that may be short-term, and, and uh, we'll see. I just think this team has to take a little far-out far approach in rebuilding a lot of, a lot of pieces besides the quarterback. They've committed $35, $40 million in cap money to Russell, and it's really got them nowhere the last three years. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, talking to Randy Mueller, host of the Football GM podcast on The Athletic, also former GM at the Saints and Dolphins. Let's talk Saints. Hill gets his first start. He replaced Trevor Simeon, who went 0-4 as the starter for the Saints after Jameis Winston went down. Sean Payton sure thinks that, that Hill is a starting quarterback, but no matter how many opportunities he's had to step into that role, he's never really claimed it. What do you make of this opportunity, and is there still a reasonable thought that he could be a starter in this league? 
I think there's a little bit of desperation here. I think Sean knows he might might have his only option in, in playing Taysom Hill. I don't think the Simeon experiment has just been good enough to compete in the NFL. And we saw it again last week. They're struggling at that position. I think Taysom gives them a little different flavor. We know what he can do with his Swiss Army Knife skill set, but I don't see him being a starter for the long haul. I know they redid his contract, but that had some other cap ramifications that forced them to do that. So I don't think the answer is there. I think you're going to see another team probably in the quarterback market this offseason. And who knows? Maybe it's the team we just talked about that ends up helping each other out. So we'll see. Um, it's, I know this. No, no team is up against it more cap-wise than the Saints. So they're even way over the cap next year already, about $60 million. So it's going to be another Rob Peter to pay Paul type situation, which really, it really it hurts you when you're trying to get better. That's for sure. When you have no cap space, and that's what they're going to be up against next year again. We're talking to Randy Mueller, longtime NFL uh, former NFL executive. So, Randy, I got to ask you about the coaching situation because I'm watching these salaries that are going out to college coaches and. They're just shocking, right? So it yeah. feels like all of it can have impact to the NFL. The money that's going out and then also the pipeline for coaches that may no longer consider going into the NFL when they can stay in college and make more money. So long term, how does what's happening in college football around the coaching situations impact the future of NFL coaching? Oh, I think it'll definitely have an effect. I think it. we all we all see that it's, it's a, a – a league uh, or, or a game that follows each other, right? Sometimes things happen in the NFL that gets mirrored in college ball. I do think the salaries are, I mean, let's just face it. We all wish we were college coaches now, right? I mean, it's crazy. And I just think it's a total different game. I think college football now, really the, the power and the uh, autonomy that these coaches have is way more so than in the NFL. It's, it's, um, it, it's, it's hard to even relate the two because the NFL coach is so different his skill set is so different his decision making has to be so different so that part of it's hard but the money is going to agents are doing their job better than ever before and i'm sure whoever negotiated these new deals for these college coaches are going to try to bring that into the nfl and there's already a bunch of nfl coaches making 10 million plus so it's not like the money hasn't been there it's just been a little more quiet the way when it gets doled out Hey, last question for you, Randy, before we let you go. The Dolphins were an embarrassment. People said, how did you take this big step back? You know, Brian Flores' seat very hot after feeling so good last year. Now they've run off a bunch of wins. Is it enough to at least return everybody next year and give it another go? Well, we'll see. They've got a few weeks left, but I think we all have, have been kind of surprised at what we've seen. But yet you have to you have to give them credit. I mean, let's face it, Tua. 80% completions over the last three weeks has been really good. None of us saw that coming. Their RPO game is sharp. It's really good, and it fits with what he can do. Waddle, the receiver, big-time player. So they've hit on some guys. It's coming together, and uh, I think the next six weeks will determine it, but I would think they're going to run it back without a doubt, and they may end up finding a way into one of these wild-card spots before it's said and done. Randy, as always, we appreciate your time. You guys should be sure to check out the Football GM podcast on The Athletic. Randy Mueller, have a great holiday, my friend. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. Brought to you by Goodyear, making the plays that move your forward. Goodyear, more driven. All right, we're talking about football because there's a ton of matchups this weekend that look amazing. So there's one team that might be facing a dun-dun-dun must win. We'll tell you about it next. Spain and Fitz. <laughs> You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Oh, it's my favorite part of every week. 
when we get a chance to look back at the weekend that was in our NFL picks and see how much further ahead I got from Fitz. <laughs> we know he didn't make up any ground. That would be ridiculous. We know that always he manages to dig that hole a little deeper. I really wish that we had bet the polar plunge on these picks. My God. I'm feeling good right now. My God. Uh, the early season picks I'd have to go back and look at, but one of us is going to have a very, very uh, cold welcome into late February, March, uh, when that's all wrapped up. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. We're going to get back to y'all on the Spain and Fitz Nation question about Jason picking his baseball team. You guys have some thoughts, strong thoughts. Uh, but we need to look back at our picks and, and see how we did, Fitz. Let's see how we did. I have to take the Bears. Oh. Begrudgingly. I am choosing to pick the Bears game wow. because I think Chicago is going to thump the Lions and we're overstating Dan Campbell. The victory! I'm going to take the Ravens over the Browns. You are such an overachiever. O-H-I-O is going to R-O-L-L all over Michigan. Harbaugh is going to get absolutely decimated in this game. Ohio State's going to win by 30. I got takes. Take. I got takes. That's absolutely embarrassing. It pains me. It hurts me. The Cowboys are going to just, they're just going to beat the Raiders. It's, it's going to be bad. I also took the Cowboys over your Raiders. I don't have to pick the Raiders. I just wanted to. I think the Cowboys need a bounce back game, and you are just the team to give it to them. Why would you believe in something awful? We need to believe in something wonderful. I think because Cam seems to be playing not 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 just efficiently at quarterback, but also Oof. capable of running with the football again and just mm. looks comfortable, which I'm surprised Oof. by. I think the Panthers beat the Dolphins. He looks inspired. I also selected Oof. the Panthers. Oh, son of a biscuit. The Giants are falling apart. Philly wow, is playing same much pick. better. Oh, son of a. Really? Eagles over Giants. That's what I picked. Yeah. I'm going to make her pick next wow, week Wow, we first. picked all the same games except for your one college game and my Ravens-Browns. That's my uh, only shot to make up ground. Ohio State, I swear to God, if you fail me now. <laughs> we are a sorry bunch of losers. We really are. We really are. I went two and three, and somehow I still beat you. You lost ground. I didn't just beat you. lost ground again uh, with your one and four week. Boy, did we get the whole cam thing wrong. Yeah, he looks really inspired, super comfortable. He's got him oh, in a good place. I mean, he, he did look comfy on the bench late yeah, in the game. He, he looked really, really comfortable we just hanging just, out on the bench. It was a premonition we had that he would comfortably sit on the bench. Uh, after week 12, I am now 28 and 12 in my picks. You are inching closer to 500. You are 22, 17 and 1. Oh, the wheels are falling off. The, the wheels. wheels are... uh, you got. Don't you worry. You've got the ability to make up some, 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 uh, uh, some of that gap right now, as we do five pick Friday on Wednesday. Giving you the picks that matter. I tell you, I think the Raiders are going to win this game. They're going to win a high scoring affair. And we're not talking Andy Dalton and Derek Carr picks. Try to wrap your head around that. Time for five pick Friday on Spain and Fitz. <laughs> Yeah, we know it's Wednesday, but uh, I'm going to New York City with my family tomorrow for my mom's birthday, and uh, we don't have a show on Friday, so we're just going to go ahead and do Five Pick Friday today. Fitz, you said last week you wanted me to go first. Do you want to do that so you could potentially alter your picks and then therefore attempt to try to make up some ground? Or what's Sure, the go ahead. Here? Yeah, well, ladies right. first, ever the gentleman. I'm going to start with the game I have to pick, Cardinals-Bears. Now listen, I don't think the Bears are going to win. I have said... 
consistently for the last month or so, maybe less than that, maybe three weeks, that the Cardinals are the team I'm most certain of. The uh, the the Pats are catching up because of the way Bill Belichick has them playing uh, consistent football. But the Arizona Cardinals were great, and then they lost their quarterback and their top receiver, and they remained victorious. This is a very good Cardinals team. The Bears are not very good. Matt Nagy's saying maybe Justin Fields will be back. I think he's just trying to make the Cardinals prepare for both quarterbacks. I think most people believe it's going to be Andy Dalton again, who looked all right against the Lions in terms of passing yards, over 300 yards passing. Uh, but the only way the Cardinals lose this is trap game plus extreme rust for Murray and Hopkins. And that is possible. There is a tiny bit of me that's a little concerned, but I'm still picking the Cardinals. Oh, See, I, I didn't pick that game, but while we're just – Ripping the Band-Aid off. I'll be honest. You know, I wrote it down, and I wrote it down out of superstition because last week I said that the Raiders were going to lose, and that meant they won. And so I was going to I was going to do the same thing this week because purely out of superstition, thinking maybe if I pick against them it makes for a better Sunday for me. But no, I can't do it. I think the Raiders are better than the Washington football team. Their defense is going to be able to handle Tyler uh, Heineke. Uh, Heineke. I can't even say his last name. Heineke. Heineke. Uh, Heineke. After you lose again, you know that. It's. I'm nervous even saying it. You know what? I have gone back and forth on this, but man, I just can't get the the way they played Thursday out of my head. And that's a version of the Raiders I want to believe I can see on Sunday. The Raiders are going to beat the Washington football team. Wow. All right, all right. I just changed Bold. that. I changed it. Bold. I had look it one way. I changed it. Okay, look at you. All right, my next pick is uh, the Bucks over the Falcons. This is a good Bucks team. This is a really weird Falcons team. Probably the worst five and six team I've seen. I've seen. They are not good football team, and yet their record isn't that atrocious. Uh, but you know, for me, even with Antonio Brown doubtful and. Tampa Bay with a couple other folks uh, that might not be healthy, guys like Vita Vea that are really important. Um, I still think that this is just a, a, a Bucks team rounding into form the way that they did last year as well. Later in the season, uh, they are going to beat the Falcons. You know, I'm glad you picked that game only because I didn't pick that there you game. Go. So uh, I'm going to go to the next Doors one that I, that, that I have to pick, though, and that's the uh, side of game day is the SEC championship. And uh, to me – uh, I know everybody wants to. Uh, everybody wants to find a way to get Nick Saban in the college football playoff. Georgia's just a better football team, and you know, the, for, first and foremost, we haven't seen an upset in the SEC championship game since I think it's 2009. The favorite has won. Georgia is the favorite here, and they're the favorite pretty substantially. And there's a reason for that. Their defense has seven or eight guys that are going to end up being NFL guys on it. Uh, they, they can absolutely swarm after it. I just watched Auburn get seven sacks against Bama last week, and I'm thinking about the way Auburn moved the line of scrimmage, and Auburn's defense is not nearly what Georgia's defense is. So while I do have some concerns about Georgia's offense, and I think it's a low-scoring game because of that, low-scoring favors Georgia because I'm not sure Bama's going to be able to score on this defense at all. So I think Georgia wins the SEC championship and goes undefeated for the regular season. Wow. I'm with you on that one, although we all thought the same about Ohio State-Michigan, so uh, we'll see if the overwhelming favorite in Georgia can pull it off. Uh, I'm going to stick with the NFC North and go with the Vikings over the Lions. I know the Lions are starting to feel like the teams that we look for every year, whoever they're playing will take who is opposing them. There is a little bit of doubt here for me, knowing that the Vikings can be good and that other times just look extremely inconsistent, but especially with some of the out uh, the uh, absences that the Lions have right now. Panay Sewell has been out with an illness. DeAndre Swift is expected to be out of the game for sure with a sprained shoulder. So some of that running game is going to be affected. And the Vikings are just a better team who have at times looked 
quite good. Um, so will Kirk Cousins keep up his his streak of of good play, and and, and will they not let down against the Lions team yet to be seen? But I, I've got to go Minnesota on this one. Well, see, that's why I wanted you to pick first because I had that game, so I'm throwing it out, throwing it out <laughs> instead. I'm gonna go with another easy one: Rams over the Jags. Like this is just—I'm sure you took this game too. I don't feel great about that fact, but uh, as much as the Rams haven't lived up to some of the hype and their defense is not as good as it has been, they are still substantially better on the jet than the Jags. Not let's not get it twisted. Well, I have some good news. Okay. For me, because I took the Rams over the Jags. (laughs) The Rams have struggled. They need a win, despite their record still being 7-4. and Those recent losses have a lot of people questioning the Stafford move, questioning that team's future in a season that felt pretty all-in. So they need this one, and if they can't win against the Jags, oh boy, would that be disastrous. So I took the Rams over the Jags. Well, now I got to start rolling aggressive because, you know, I got to hope for upsets and then I got to hope I get tough games right. I'm going to bet that there's a game you didn't take that I feel pretty confident in. The Chiefs are much better than the Broncos. Oh, no. I feel so bad for you. That was my other team. Son of a biscuit. All right, well, Chiefs are going to beat the Broncos, and I already said it, so there we go. Yeah, I think the Chiefs are going to beat the Broncos, too. We saw the Broncos have a lot of success early in the season against not good teams, and we said, all right, well, you know, 4-0 or whatever they are, let's see how they do. And they've hung in there more so than many of us expected, but I still don't think they're amongst the elite of the league, and I definitely don't think they're as good as a Kansas City team that's starting to figure it out, so I've got them as well. Did you do all five of yours? No, I got one left. All right, let's hear it. Colts over Texans. Okay, well, I already did all my five, so I did not pick that one. Yeah, so I got the chance to pick up two games on this week, I think, in my math. There's a little opportunity. to dig a hole. I feel, yeah, that that's the real real of it. Like, I, I went a little tougher with these games. I'm not sure I feel any more confident about that. And if the Washington football team ends up beating the Raiders, I'll never pick the Raiders to win anything again because it's Wow, clip that me. off. Clip that off. I don't believe that. And now we have it on tape. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle auto, home, or motorcycle insurance. Visit Progressive.com. Can't believe you just said that about your Raiders. You will never pick them to win anything ever again. Wow. Wow. Coming up. It's down to this. Fitz is picking a baseball team. Plus, we got some news regarding Notre Dame's head coaching vacancy. It's next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. It's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, hanging out with you on a Wednesday. ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Happy December, by the way. Open up those uh, first days on your advent calendar and, and your your dog's advent calendar, if you have one like me, because <laughs> you're a lunatic. <laughs> Uh, We're presented by Progressive Insurance. We got a little news on Notre Dame. So Adam Rittenberg confirming from sources that Notre Dame offensive coordinator Tommy Reese, the pride of Lake Forest, Illinois, my hometown, is going to remain as Notre Dame uh, offensive coordinator. Now, most believe that this then means a package deal with Marcus Freeman as the head coach. Because, of course, Fitz, if a new coach was coming in, they would like to have some say about their OC with Freeman already there. He moves up, re-sticks around, despite what was rumored to be a much bigger offer from LSU. Um, And some are already reporting that they're hearing from sources that Marcus Freeman will indeed be the new head coach at Notre Dame. But stay tuned to ESPN Radio Sports Center throughout the night for updates for confirmation on that. Quick thought on that, Fitz? I mean, I think this makes a lot of sense. Talking to Mike Golick Jr. last night, 
uh, for our rankings reaction show about how galvanized and together this entire locker room seemed to become through this process. Mike talked with a lot of pride about talking to the guys behind the scenes and in the locker room about the way they were taking all of this news. I think there's a togetherness to this, and if it feels that special in the room, why not keep it together and see what happens next? It makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. All right, we uh, we teased this earlier, and we are going to get to Jason Fitz's baseball choice. But first, don't forget to tune into the That's What She Said podcast, hosted by yours truly and fueled by Gatorade. We appreciate their continued support of women's sports journalists and athletes here at ESPN and everywhere. Whatever path you take to greatness, Gatorade's proven formula is there to fuel it. Greatness starts with G. All right, so months ago we started Baseball Bachelor. Essentially, Major League Baseball Bachelor was my uh, tribute to what I did a couple years ago with College Football Bachelorette, which landed me Michigan, which for a couple years was disappointing, but this year's feeling pretty good. So we thought we'd use the same process. Fitz would slowly whittle down all the teams from Major League Baseball and then choose one to root for because he's never had a baseball team before. He has inexplicably ended up with the trio of the Brewers, the Reds and the Yankees. And I will remind you that, yes, he was indeed allowed to choose from all of the teams in Major League Baseball. And he ended up with the Brewers, the Reds, and the Yankees. A couple folks chiming in on social media as a part of Spain and Fitz Nation at Gem Knitter, one of our favorites, Gail, hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. I don't understand. Jason is good and smart. These teams? But okay, <laughs> it is what it is, and I hope he'll be happy with whatever he, team he chooses. Just not the Yankees, please not them, dear hell. Thank you, Gail, for chiming in. Uh, biggest Leamp fan said, Brew Crew. Brewers had an 11-game lead over the Reds who choked in September last season. Why would you choose them? Small market teams have the best fans, so why pick a big market team like the Yankees? Plus, the crew has made it to the playoffs the last four years, so why not choose them? Also saw some folks chime in with sausage races, which is one of my favorite things in all of baseball. And I am saying that as a Cubs fan. But the Brewers' sausage races are amazing. One vote for the Brewers in that camp. Uh, at Jeff Norman 90 said, maybe Quidditch is more your thing. Uh, I think he's disappointed with your selections. At ALAC9, the Yankees do not need more fans, casual fans or otherwise. Uh, At Gregory uh, Us, three words, Joseph Daniel Votto. Uh, So if you're a Joey Votto fan, good reason to pick the Reds. And I like this one from Doc Anarcho. Reds for the pain. So yeah, good. I already deal with pain 17 Sundays a week, <laughs> a, week a year. I don't know that I need, uh, you know, more pain in my life. But th- these have all been very, very compelling points. I, I, I you know, I, there's a couple of easy things as we go through the drama here. Of, I was going to say, are we going to do this like first runner up, which means well, first third, to eliminate. Like, first, first runner to... up is third. It's okay. the nicest way to say you didn't get it. And then I believe the runner-up and then the winner. But once you say the runner-up, then it's the winner. So you usually say the first runner-up and then you say the winner. Okay, so the first runner-up in this situation uh, is is going to be the Yankees, right? The okay. Yankees, the Yankees are out. Uh, and, and I'll tell you why, you know, A, Gail said no to the Yankees, and she's been a faithful that's listener true. since day one. That's so that's, that's part She'll of it. stop B, making you socks. Like when, when the cameras weren't following us on our reality show, I went on a little date with the Yankees. Went to Ooh. the stadium, watched Ooh. a game there. Was it Wasn't a the, fantasy like, suite situation? It, it was. It was. I was just out with the people, hanging out, you know. And the ending uh, wasn't happy enough for you at the it, game. It, it wasn't a great date. It, it, there wasn't a vibe. There wasn't like a chemistry. I didn't feel like. I didn't feel like the Yankees loved me as much as the, I love yeah. the Yankees. I Too even, many escalators, I, honestly, I mean, uh, well, at yeah. that place. In my opinion, you, you you shouldn't have escalators at a baseball stadium. Yeah. So, I would rather walk upstairs. 
than an escalator well, at a baseball stadium. It my just seats were not right. not particularly good. That would have been a lot of walking. Like that's. A I lot agree. Of I mean, it's a big legs. place. They kind of need them. But once I'm on an escalator, I'm like, oh, I'm not at a baseball game anymore. Now I didn't. Here. I didn't realize until I've been there a little bit that my seats were high, but they also included some of the like uh, perks of the like uh, suites that were right, be- like the club level bars that were right behind it. That mm-hmm. that was a that was a nice okay, thing. Well, but, yeah, they have those everywhere. They're not as nice yeah. as they are probably at Yankee Stadium. But are you really there for that, Fitz? Obviously, no. you're there for the baseball. You are a diehard lover of baseball. I, it doesn't so, matter to you what all the uh, other accoutrements are. This is where it gets tougher because that means my what 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 is this? Then the runner up or is this how, how do I? Yeah, the runner up. Yeah, then? yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it depends on what you want, the drama of announcing the winner, or you want to, like, first really quickly be like, the runner-up is this, which means... I think the inevitable here is that I know I need, I, I know in my heart of hearts that I just need to eliminate Milwaukee. I don't, you wow. know... Wow! I, I, I love Milwaukee, the city, but I never go hang out in Milwaukee. I'm never going to go to games there. Your favorite I, restaurant yeah. in the world is in Milwaukee, yeah, somehow, I, again, inexplicably. I never take the time to go visit Milwaukee, and it's not as easy to get to Milwaukee as it is to Cincinnati. So, How you know, so? I feel like I've huh? What? Well, I mean, why is what? What's it, the flight like? It's like a half hour longer. Yeah, it's a little longer. It's a little pricier, <laughs> you know. Like, I mean, I like my flights. Be, although, you know, like I like the Cincinnati goes into the Kentucky airport, not particularly busy. Okay. Then you can just like yeah. flop right over basically there. Basically, just northern Kentucky. So this is the moment where I feel like I'm ready to give the rose yeah. to Cincinnati, but. Sarah, the problem is I'm bringing another contestant in. What? I'm doing the twist. I'm doing the Bachelor twist. You don't even watch these shows. I'm doing the Bachelor twist twist at the end. And all of a sudden you think it's there. And it's just me and the Reds looking at each other. And all of a sudden I'm side-eyeing the first team that I eliminated because I realized that I let go a lot too soon. I can fix them. They may have problems, but the Oakland A's need to be my baseball team. This makes too much sense. There, there we go. We got the pump and tunes. Think about I'm sorry, it, Sarah. The, the pump and tunes. If I am not incorrect, this is actually literally the song they use when they win a game in Oakland. Oh yeah, it is. Thanks and, to and, 1981 you know, or whatever. As the resident old guy around here, I kind of love it. Look, you know, I've thought a lot about this, and the reason I eliminated the A's was because I spent years rooting against them because they were playing in the same stadium as the Raiders. Well, now that no longer happens. Now I have no reason to share that 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 uh, doubt of the Oakland A's, and it's not lost on me that I think there's a real darn good chance that the A's are going to move to Vegas, which means I can fix them. Like, I can fix them. They're going to move to Vegas. They're going to be my team. They're going to move in with me right out of the gate. We're going to fall in love. I can't believe this. First of all, I can't believe you eliminated them first, and you were like deal breakers. Never, ever. I hate them so much from ruining my field. And now they're back all of a sudden. The glow-up was real. I don't know what happened in that time period. But also, I feel better about you as a person because this is the Jason I know, not the one who says, I've had so much heartbreak, I might as well just go front-running and pick a team like the Yankees or something. The one who looks at a team like the A's and says, you know what? I can fix them. Especially- I can bring them to Vegas. I can put them in a mini skirt and some high heels and give them some sort of uh, residence at the Luxor. And suddenly they're going to be someone I want to take out. Man, the A's in a little black dress are going to do it all right for me. <laughs> it is going to be perfection. Now I just need to get free gear. Wow. Okay, this is wild. Okay, Freddie and Fitzsimmons are up next, and the entire Oakland A's team is going to join them to talk about Fitz's decision. Wow, great. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.